Good evening. I'm Kate France. And I'm Tabby Tyler. Tonight we talk about populism through the ages. So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. There's a profoundly complicated situation unfolding in Bolivia that I wanted to talk about because it really highlights the nuance of populism. Essentially, this is what happened. Bolivian President Evo Morales attempted to pass a resolution that would allow him to run for re-election indefinitely, but lost. However, the courts later decided that not letting him run indefinitely would be, quote, violating his human rights. Suspicious. So term limits are a violation of rights? So when the new campaign for election arrived, Morales was on the ticket, and he won. He was accused of voter fraud and agreed to call for new elections. However, far-right leaders demanded his resignation, and another candidate on the ticket, Janine Inez, has declared herself president even though she only received 4% of the popular vote while using the influence of far-right millionaire Luis Fernando Camacho to cement her power. As a result of this political divide, violent protesting has ensued. Now, the problem here is that every one of the leaders mentioned are using populism to their benefit. Morales is reaching out to the common man. He's a former farmer who expanded social programs and included his indigenous people in Bolivian politics for the first time. This is how he controls power and holds on to followers, by cultivating a pushback against the rich and powerful. On the other hand, Camacho uses racial prejudice and religious beliefs to create a sense of fear and urgency to dismantle the socialist government for fear of their own persecution. And you can see how a highly polarized society is at risk of being persuaded by radical ideals from both parties. It allows the us-versus-them rhetoric to flourish. This brings us to the rise of populism. Populism as we know it has been on the rise for decades. Political scientists have been recognizing an upward trend since the 80s, but since the 2008 financial crisis, the popularity of populist leaders has seemed to increase rapidly. It's important at this point to attempt the ineffable task of defining the term populism. Populism itself runs the gamut of being a social ideology, a dangerous threat against democracy, a political slur to undermine an opponent, a tool used to succeed against an opponent, an indicator of demagoguery and proto-fascism, or even a mentality predicated on the morality of change. Populism is a word so ambiguous it defies definition. Even political scientists cannot agree on how to address it. Yes, according to an article titled, How Dangerous is Populism to Democracy?, the author states, quote, Populism is not yet properly understood, and definitions of it are still highly controversial, especially since it's a label that is applied to a wide range of political movements that have very little in common. It's also highly controversial whether populism should be classified as an ideology, a political style, or a socio-political mentality, end quote. A simplified understanding of populism has taken hold of the current political zeitgeist, and that is the singular idea of populism being us against them. And this is demonstrated by rhetoric from both sides of the political spectrum. Donald Trump campaigned on a platform that is practically a populist playbook. Nearly 180,000 illegal immigrants with criminal records ordered deported from our country. 
Disrupt the establishment with language that is against the status quo, appeal to individuals who feel like the elite have worked against them, and manufacture a crisis such as immigration and use it for leverage. Bernie Sanders is also campaigning with a populist agenda that appeals to the other half of our polarized voting body by maintaining the same rhetoric that the elites have worked against the people. We are going to transform this country and finally create an economy and a government which works for all of us Sanders also draws advantage from the crisis of inaccessible health care for the working class. Which solidly demonstrates the top-down pathways of populism. It's not often a tool used by the layman to galvanize a political uprising, but the instrument of an influential leader to garner the support of a disenfranchised population. In today's context, we talk about populism as a threat to democracy, but in actuality, it has been a threat to political systems throughout history. And to start off today's history lesson in populism, I bring you Rome, about a hundred years before the fall of the Republic. At this point in Roman history, politicking had led to the emergence of two main political ideologies amongst the patrician class, the Optimates and the Populares. Both groups were from the wealthier Roman class, but a divergence occurred when the Optimates, wishing to adhere to the old Roman way, constantly voted down social policies that put at risk their hold on power. As a result, the populares were forced to appeal to the masses for support in order to enact social change. Though populist appeal worked as a way to bring about much-needed social progress, it also became a tempting conduit to exploit the desires of the plebeians, allowing the populares to garner power over their optimati opponents. And you can see this digression from well-meaning to pure demagoguery by exploring the differences between populare leaders. The Gracchi brothers were the poster boys of populism in the late Roman Republic. In 133 BCE, Tiberius Gracchus became tribune of the plebs, a position that allowed him to propose legislation and veto actions of the consuls. The consulship was an office that could only be held by members of the patrician class, and often was a position that was used to maintain the status quo. While tribune of the plebs, Tiberius passed the Lex Agraria. This was a land reform that aimed to redistribute land to the peasants in Rome. He was later assassinated, and the mantle of reformist was taken up by his brother Gaius. Gaius's reforms were politically motivated and further reaching than his brother's. While generating policy that put limits on optimates, he also instituted policy that punished the enemies of his late brother. Gaius later committed suicide after a tense political battle with optimati consul Lucius Op- Optimus, which is a lot like Optimate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty great name, though. <laughs> yeah. It's also kind of, kind of sounds like an evil name, to be yes, honest. Yes, like you definitely, he needs a cloak. <laughs> right? Lucius Optimus. <laughs> Though well-meaning and egalitarian in their endeavors, the Gracchi brothers are often seen as a catalyzing force that would encourage future populist leaders to hijack Roman politics. An individual willing to take advantage of this delicate system was Julius Caesar. (sighs) Caesar, that asshole. I can see why people are apologetic about Caesar, though. He was fascinating. 
Did you know he was abducted by pirates? <laughs> no, tell me everything. And when the pirates asked that he send one of his men to collect his ransom, he laughed that the pirates did not request enough and demanded that they request more for his release. I mean, I can see why people like him. He's a uh, dynamic figure. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a fascinating story. And he is constantly throughout his life embroiled in fascinating stories. He had a child with Cleopatra. But he was also instrumental in bringing about the fall of the Roman Republic. While using his influence as a populist leader, and he took pains to make himself the most popular of leaders. <laughs> he made friends with powerful people and used their influence to push social reform. As consul, he pushed for land redistribution and other popular agendas. It's always land redistribution. You'd think the rich people would give up their land. I mean, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> with the assistance of his wealthy friend Crassus and the general Pompey, he was able to pass controversial reforms. His tumultuous year as consul, though, led him to make many enemies in the Senate. Many individuals wished to have Caesar persecuted for perceived crimes during his consulship. To avoid the Senate and potential persecution, he was transitioned by his allies from the role of consul into the role of governor, specifically governor of Gaul, where he would be protected from persecution. It's important to know that for as long as he held some form of office, he could not be called in and persecuted by the Senate. While governor in Gaul, Caesar started the Gallic Wars, and going to war served Julius Caesar in many ways. He could use the threat of the destabilized tribes in Gaul as justification for war. He could use the military victories to garner more plebeian support, and he could gain personal wealth by conquering Gallic tribes. He gained considerable support from the plebs by writing about his conquest and sending them back to Rome for all to read. He was loved by the people for expanding the territory of Rome and for keeping at bay the threat of the Gauls. A manufactured crisis. It sure sounds like one. In a sense, yes, the threat of the Gauls was always terrifying to the Romans, but he used that fear to his advantage in the situation. He also found that being at war allowed him to extend the timeline of his position as governor. As he conquered and conquered, his influence and military power grew, much to the chagrin of the Senate, who were rightfully threatened by Caesar. In 50 BCE, the Senate passed a resolution that required Caesar to relinquish his army. The Senate also secretly arranged that the general Pompey would be given command of all troops in Italy. In 49 BCE, Caesar stood at the border of Gaul and Italy, and by crossing the Rubicon into Italian territory, defied the Senate and marched upon Rome. The ensuing civil war led to his eventual designation as dictator for life, and in 44 BCE, his eventual assassination. After his assassination, his remaining allies in the Senate deified him as a god in the Roman religion. What an asshole. I mean, he just didn't want to be brought to trial for dealings during his consulship. And then, bam, Caesar's commentaries on the Gallic War, Civil War, Death of Pompey, Kid with Cleopatra, and Et tu Brute. Jesus. It's interesting that you started with Rome, because so many people conflate populism solely with communism, since communist and socialist agendas tend to be pushed by popular parties. Which is why I, of course, need to bring up Lenin. I admit it's with great trepidation that I broach the subject of communism at all because the word is so loaded with connotation that it's almost impossible to approach with an unbiased viewpoint. And that connotation is what ignites so many people to support right-leaning populist movements out of fear of communist agendas. To talk about Lenin, you have to talk about Tsar Nicholas II. I'm taking you to Russia in the early 1900s.
Tsar Nicholas II is a young man, unprepared for office and thrust into his position by the unexpected death of Alexander III at age 49. Most of his decisions were extremely unpopular. Russo-Japanese War, defending Serbia, Bloody Sunday, dissolving the Duma. This is a really frustrating time to be a worker. Your leader refuses to acknowledge you should have any voice, you have limited suffrage, your land may or may not belong to you at the whim of the Tsar, and your rights are extremely minimal. And if you were Jewish, I don't even know where to start. Anti-Semitism was rampant with little government intervention. This is when communism seems really, really attractive to the working class of Russia. And during the turbulent formings and dissolutions of the Dumas, a radical form of communism called Bolshevism becomes popular. Enter Lenin. Lenin is the leader of the Bolsheviks. Lenin was from an upper-middle-class family and wasn't super politically minded until his older brother Alexander was executed for taking part in a plot to assassinate Tsar Alexander III. Which will do it, I guess. Yeah. He becomes passionate about Marxism and what he believes is an inevitable revolution of the proletariat, the working class. He spends decades speaking throughout Europe and Russia about communism, examples of the elite's abuses towards the working class, and his vision for the Bolshevik revolution. Fast forward to 1917. The Russian Revolution overthrows the Tsar, and Russia is ruled by a provisional government, which is planning a democracy. But this is all happening at the same time as World War I, so they are sim- simultaneously at war with Germany, and this strain paves the way for a Bolshevik coup. So now Lenin is in charge. Lenin's government makes peace with Germany and then begins a civil war against the Whites, which was a collection of Russian armies united only by their opposition to Bolshevism. Those fighting on the side of Lenin's government were known as the Reds. The Reds won, but to accomplish this, Lenin ordered the use of brutal tactics against the Whites and also civilians. The campaign became known as the Red Terror and saw the murders of thousands of Russian peasants, and thousands more were sent into concentration camps as enemies of the revolution. Lenin's accompanying economic reforms then caused a terrible famine in 1921, which killed nearly 5 million people. Way to go, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Lenin's administration is a complicated one to discuss, though, because on one hand, they legalized abortion and, quote, homosexual activities, and granted independence to nations such as Finland and Poland. But on the other hand, they disregarded freedom of the press and conscripted labor of the masses, and the average worker actually had no say in what this government was doing. Ultimately, his health declined, and he died after a series of strokes, which was the opening another dictator with an agenda needed to consolidate his power. But we can talk about Stalin another day. Ultimately, Lenin, like many populist leaders, had a personal agenda that trumped his public motivations. The populist communist movement did not originally set out to become a dictatorship, but the fever behind it allowed a dictator to emerge. There's one more populist revolution I wanted to talk about tonight. Oh? Turmoil has engulfed a republic. The taxation of trade routes is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to a region. 
While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the senator from that area being blockaded uses the fervor to draw support in a vote of no confidence for the current administration. Once the administration is in peril, he wastes no time positioning himself to be named the new chancellor. In this position, he manipulates law enforcement, creates an army only he is truly in command of by orchestrating a military conflict, and slowly, over many years, dissolves whatever democracy was left, declaring himself emperor. Wait. He creates concentration camps for different racial groups Wait, and destroys all information that is in conflict with his message, leading Wait, to Tabby, immediate cultural Wars. and economic decay. Smugglers Tabby, and Tabby, crime this lords this are rampant, Wars. and a rebellion is working hard to destabilize the infrastructure Wars. and military of the emperor. The rebel faction ultimately gains traction and support under the leadership of a charismatic young democratic proponent and a representative of the spiritual leaders from before the imperial takeover. Together, they create a populist movement that ultimately overthrows the imperial government through guerrilla warfare. Thank you. That was Star Wars. Technically, it's the populist takeover of the Galactic Republic through deception and fake conflicts by Sheev Palpatine versus the populist revolution of the Empire by Princess Leia, Organa, and Luke Skywalker. Good job. You did it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Governments are flawed. People have complex wants and needs that are failed by government institutions. This leads to the ability for popular leaders to capitalize off the very real needs of the public. This can be to the nation's benefit or detriment. Populism can be a very real tool that enables a populist to enact the will of the people. It can also be used as a weapon for those who wish to create their own power. You can't define populism in one sentence, just like you can't say populism is good or bad with one sentence. There are populist movements I'm inclined to be in support of, such as labor unions, and there are populist movements I would not be inclined to support, like the rise of the Hitler regime. The point is... Populism is a vehicle for change, be it good or bad. And only a Sith deals in absolutes. God damn it. You love me. <laughs> we had a perfectly good show. <laughs> Are you saying Star Wars made something bad? <laughs> Everything is made better by Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> it's like poetry, it rhymes. It's like poetry, it rhymes. Well, thanks for being a part of that episode with us. Um, I, I really do want to say we spent a considerable amount of time researching and preparing for that one. And the thing is, Roman history and Russian history can't be summed up in a couple paragraphs or in us trying to capture this in 30 minutes. Yeah, probably but, even less than that. <laughs> but we do have all of our citations listed in our episode description. Yeah, so if you'd like to do some very dense additional reading or additional listening, look out for the recommended websites, books, and podcasts that helped us write today's episode of A Night In. Now, are there populist leaders and movements that you think should have been discussed? Or do you want to continue this discussion elsewhere? Join us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Tyler and France. And check out our Instagram page where we blast other populist leaders. Or maybe even... Say, hey, good job. Yeah, because some of them are good. Yeah. Even yeah. though we didn't really talk about them. No. <laughs> <laughs> because it's more fun to blast populist leaders. But uh, anyway, see you next week and have a great night. Bye.